Connect Church, how are we doing this morning? Hey, wow. Keep going for me one more time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you guys have a seat. Man, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I hope you guys are ready, uh, not just expectant to hear from God, but also ready to have some fun, because I like to have some fun. Amen? You guys ready to have some fun? All right. Hey, well, like Dev said, my name is Pastor Keaton. You can call me PK. PK is great. Not preacher's kid, not pastor's kid, just Pastor Keaton. Just Pastor Keaton. That'll be fun. PK is just great. Um, this is actually really, really cool for me because the first time I got to visit Connect Church was March 1st, 2020. Like three years ago. Like what a time to visit. If I would have tried to come here like, you know, three weeks prior uh, or three weeks later, excuse me, I would have missed you guys. Um, but I came, brought my now wife to church. She grew up here and we sat right over there. And uh, Pastor Derek was actually giving a message on dating, which is what I'm talking about today. So my first message that I heard at Connect is the same message I'm giving at Connect. That's pretty cool. But Pastor Derek, he was talking about being equally yoked. And I was begging God that my wife was not paying attention. <laughs> because later that, later that day, she wasn't my wife yet. She's my girlfriend. But later that day, she was, I was proposing. And it was like God was giving her an opportunity to get out. <laughs> Before she said yes, and, and based on the story I'm about to tell you, you probably, you'd be like, she should have taken the out, man. But uh, after service, we came right up here, and Miss Jane Connor prayed over my entire family, uh, multiple generations, and that moment marked me. And I have never forgotten it. I will never forget it, because we like right here. It was, it was powerful. And I've always wondered if maybe God will move us from Colorado up to Massachusetts so that we can be a part of Connect Church. And here we are. We get to call you guys family. And it has been, it has been a gift. The Connect Church has been so welcoming to me and my family. And there's this great promise that I've been kind of clinging to in, in Matthew, or Mark chapter 10 where Jesus tells his disciples, I tell you the truth, if you leave for the sake of the kingdom of God, if you leave family behind, I promise you will have family multiplied to you, 60-fold, 100-fold, and I feel like I have had family multiplied to me as I left mine behind. So thank you guys for the, the amazing welcome for me and my family. Speaking of my family, I've got a picture of my family. I want you to meet my family. This is my beautiful wife, Chelsea. Aww. And she's beautiful. Aw, there we go. All right. And that's our little girl, Noah. Noah is just, that's right. <laughs> Noah is the sweetest little bundle of joy. She's currently in an aggressive phase. Um, she gets like really, really excited and her, her uh, fingernails grow like claws. And she actually got me in the forehead last night. She's because um, she was like super, super excited. But she will be joined by a baby brother come May. We have a son on the way. Oh. Uh, Yes, being a parent is amazing. But what you, you're looking at my wife, and you're probably wondering, like, how on earth did this person get her to say yes to him? Yeah. I have no idea. But I'm going to tell you a story of how we met, because then you're really going to be like, how on earth did that happen? So we just moved out to Denver, Colorado, uh, and she started going to the church I was working at. And I helped her get into a small group and, you know, got her all set up so she could have community and where she had moved. And then on Christmas Eve, I actually 
responded to an Instagram story that she had posted about her Christmas tree. And so I slid right into the DMs. That's right. And I tried to get her to talk to me. I was like, I'm a Patriots fan. And she's like, no, you're not. I was like, yes, I am. Well, so she, she just didn't want anything to do with me. And like, I would see her at church and she knew like, this guy likes me. I'm going to make sure it's very clear. Ain't nothing happening. So like, she's, she was a, a dream teamer at our cafe. She was serving donuts one day. I walk up to her and I'm like, Chelsea. High five, and she just goes, <laughs> whatever. And then there were a couple other events that I was just trying to get her attention. And, and what happened, though, one day we, we bumped into each other at a 24-hour fitness. She just happened to be finishing a workout right as I was finishing a workout. She came to talk to me because, you know, I'm the pastor at the church, so you better come and talk to me. And I'm, I just like, this is great. This, this is divine is what this is. And I was like, you want to go to Chipotle? And she was like, yeah, all right. I was like, do you want to drive together? And she's like, no, nah, we'll drive separate. <laughs> so we get there, and she paid. And I was like, oh, I can pay for it. And she's like, no, it's, she made up this thing. It was like Nurses Week. And she's like, I get a discount. I was like, no, you don't. She was trying to make it very clear, very clear. And I just was oblivious. And so we get to talking, and she tells me, like, hey, I, I actually uh, have a testimony from, like, my baptism. We got baptized. I've filmed my testimony. And I was like, this is my moment. I was like, I'm a pastor. I love testimonies. You have one. You should text it to me. And that's how I got her phone number. <laughs> I'm like, hey. And she's, I, so I was like, you know, this is permission is what that is. And she kept responding. And I... <laughs> After church, we were part of this young adult ministry, and after that young adult ministry, I was like, hey, let's go out. Let's go get some friends. Let's do a public hangout, you know? And she's like, all right. So she's got all of her small group friends, the small group I helped her get into, and I show up, and I'm trying to, like, spit whatever game I have, which is not much, um, and she's just like, I'm facing this way, like, leaning in, trying to get, like, her attention or whatever, and she's like, and it gets a little late, and her friends start to go home, and I'm like, this is my chance again to talk to her. And she's like, this is my chance to go home. And I just wouldn't let her. And we closed that restaurant down. We went to another restaurant. And we have not been on a date yet, but I am convinced that this girl likes me. Like, absolutely convinced she likes me. And you're like, why are you convinced of that? I don't know. Um, but so I think I'm doing her a favor by, by what I'm about to tell her. Because like, you don't want to get the wrong impression if you're about to start dating about what your future is. So I just blatantly told her, I was like, you know, like, if we're going to do this, you're going to want to consider being, like, do you want to be a pastor's wife? Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh is right. She just kind of stared at me like. Like, like, whoa. I think I'm doing her a favor. Now, I did not say you're going to be my wife. I was, I just said, the, but I said the wrong words. Okay, so a couple days later, she texts me, and she goes, hey, can we talk? And I was like, I would love to talk. That would be, I would love to get together and talk. And, and I was like, I know the perfect spot. It's this park. It's got a beautiful view with the sunset because you'll be getting off of work. And I'm thinking, this is my chance. We're going to be official. So I got a picture of the park that we uh, met up at. Look at this park. This is like, there's no grass. That dirt is symbolic of what the relationship should have been, dead, right 
There, that trash can when we sat there was filled to the brim with trash. And there were just flies all around it. It's chained to that table. So romantic. And so we sit down. We sit down and and I was like doing a little small talk and you can tell something's like getting to her and and she opens up, she goes, So I cried. I was like, Oh God, not gonna be good from here on out. And she's like, was it like, how do you know? How? You said the thing about we're getting married. And I was like, oh. And she's like, how do you know? We haven't even gone on a date yet, and I want to go on a date. If you're going to have, and I'm just not sure I want to even be dating. I'm not sure I want to be married. And she was going on and on and on. And I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to get out of this. And so I did what any sane person would do when you're in a bind. I leaned over and I kissed her. True story. Just 100% all the way. She was like. And when I pulled back, the first words out of her mouth were, a bird pooped on my head. So you're like, how did she marry him? I have no idea. No, the bird did it. That's right. No idea. And the reason I tell you that story, well, let's, let's make sure we understand here. What I did not say to any of you guys listening online or in, in Ashland, I did not say... Tell her you think she's going to be your wife so that she'll go. Like, that's not advice. If anything, look at what I just told you and be like, no, I'm not going to do that at all. Don't mention courting. That's another story, a different time. I didn't know what it meant. Um, don't mention getting married. Like, don't kiss her before you've gone on a date. That's not advice. But I do tell you that story to let you know that if you want to get married, there's hope for everybody. Because if I can get married, anybody can get married. And with that, we should pray so that the Holy Spirit will actually be here after that story. So... Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. I thank you for every single person in this room. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you dwell in this space and you speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, speak to wherever we are in life, whatever situation we are, whether we're married, dating, engaged, had a broken marriage, wherever we are, please speak to our hearts and encourage our souls. Help us to have so much fun today, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are talking about dating today, and I just want to say, like, I know not everybody in here is in the dating stage of life. You know, maybe you're married and you're like, I'm good. I've, I've, I nailed it somehow and we are married. And I was like, okay, great. Well, maybe there's something here that will help you teach someone later. Or maybe you're here for the first time and you're like, I'm definitely not taking dating advice from you, Pastor Keaton, at all. <laughs> I don't blame you. But, or, or maybe like you've been, you've had to go through the traumatic experience that is divorce and you're like, I just don't even want to think about dating. I don't want to think about relationships. I just want to, like, hear from God. That's what I want. Or maybe you walked in and you're like, how my dating situation, like, my dating life isn't going super well. The way I've been going about it, it's just not producing what I want. So maybe if I go to church, maybe I'll find somebody there. Or maybe, like, when you hear the thought of dating, you're like, just don't. All that dating is is a bunch of traumatic experiences that left you feeling used, abused, and, like, left to the curb. You know, maybe, maybe that is you. And, or maybe you're in here and you're like, no, I'm, I'm eager to get married. And I want to hear, like, how can I be prepared to get married? And what I would love to say is, like, while we are going to be talking about your dating years primarily, this is not a message about dating only. This is a message about your life because your, your life does not start when you get married. Your life starts when you meet Jesus. And he is the, the primary relationship that you need. 
So like, you're gonna, I'm going to give you an opportunity to meet Jesus later if you haven't. But if you're like, wherever you are, you're like, I don't even want to think about marriage. I don't want to think about dating. Well, maybe Jesus still has something for your life, and I believe he does. And maybe what we're going to talk about today is actually going to get you ready for what he has for you next. Amen? Amen. But we are going to talk about dating because we have to talk about dating because dating has gotten increasingly complex in the modern world. Like, it's like, what the heck? Dating, it used to be very, very simple. There was like two steps to dating. You went on dates and then you got married. I think we have a slide for it. You went on dates, you went married. It was this great time in history. Yeah, right there. Dating, step one, and then marriage. It was a time when boys actually asked girls out on dates. Where'd I hear all those yeah? And the girls actually said yes. Whoa. But now, that was way back then. But in the, in, the, in the modern world, there's like 12 steps now to dating that leaves everybody frustrated, confused, and wondering like, who the heck's going to commit to me? Like, where am I in this process? And I've got a slide for the process now. And it's like really, really confusing. If you're over 40, you're about to see what modern dating is like. So before you meet anybody, you slide into the DMs. If you're lucky, you get the phone number. Why does there have to be a change from direct message to texting? Level of commitment. That's so true. Okay, you go from texting to Snapchatting, and then you're sharing memes, public hangouts, private hangouts. Oh, sharing more memes. If you're wondering what a meme is, it's kind of like the 1980s version of going to the mall, but on your phone. You share a meme, shared Netflix series. If there's any confusion to the commitment level, you know it's right here. You, if you're sharing a Netflix series with somebody and you have not defined the relationship, now's a great time. That's what we used to call Facebook official. It's now Netflix official. Netflix series, short breakup, back together, engaged, and then married. All within a four-month period. And you're like, if you're a little bit older, you're like, what's taking the people so long to get married? How are you supposed to navigate? Me and Chels went through most of those. We didn't have Snapchat, but we did break up, got engaged, and married like within a matter of months. Like, this is real. This is a little too real for me. But dating is confusing, but we're all like, when we are dating, we're trying to answer one question. We're like, how do I know that that person or that person is the right one for me? Like, how do I know? How, how, how? He looks cute, but I don't know if he has a job or he switched jobs for like three months. Man, she dresses really great. She's got something to say about everybody, though. So I'm not sure that's for me. Like, oh, she volunteers in church. Maybe that's who my spouse is. And we're all just trying to answer the question, like, how do I know that this is the right person? Like, how? How do I know? Someone, please, just ask me on a date already so this can be easier. Amen? And it's okay for it to be a little confusing and frustrating. We want to take our time. Some of us, are, we're take, it's not going fast enough, so we're like downloading Hinge. And my brother got married on, from, he met his wife on Hinge. True story. But we're like, we want, we're taking our time because it's like, when is this going to happen? And it's okay for it to take its time. Nobody said that you needed to be married today. Like there was no timeline for you or for me on when you were supposed to get married. And your life doesn't begin when you get married. But you're, we all were like, a lot of us were like, I just want to get married. You know? But we don't want you to marry no fool. 
which is why for this series, this home improvement series, we chose that, that, that text out of Proverbs about walking with the fool. Well, we got it in the message version. Uh, Pastor Derek had used the one from the message to let us know that, like, if you walk with a fool, your life will fall to pieces. This is what it says. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Some of y'all, for your friendships, just underline, hanging out with fools. You don't want your life to fall to pieces. But I, when I was preparing for this message, I did some research in the uh, NKV, the new Keaton version. And this is what it said. Become wise by walking with the wise, but go on dates with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Because when we're looking for dating, we're, like when we're looking for our person and it's taking a little bit longer. Suddenly we're like, you know, it's taking a little bit longer. So I think I'm just going to go out with the first person who notices me. And it might be a bad mistake, which is why Pastor Devin and all the pastors here have worked so hard on getting you to do the Christian thing when it comes to dating is you make a list. You make a list. You ever heard of the list? Yes, you make a list. You write down, this is what I want. I want a man who loves Jesus. He's a leader. He serves in church. He has a job. He's working on paying down. like a good Christian list. Of, he's got character, integrity. Like, you want to have a good list so that when you meet somebody, you can, like, go through the little check marks and be like, okay, hey, you're good. My wife had a list, and I, about three weeks into our relationship, I was like, all right, come on, babe. I need to see the list. You're like, three weeks in, you're like, oh, gas pedal, just as fast as I can. I was like, come on, let me see the list. I know you have a list. And she's like, I don't have a list. And I was like, I know you have a list. I heard Pastor Devin give a message about making a list. I know you have a list. And she's like, oh, all right. And so she showed me the list. And those were the things that were on the list. You know, I want a leader. I want somebody who loves Jesus, uh, serves in church, you know. And so she listed all these out. And I'm looking at that list. And I'm like, hmm, this is, this is a good it's a good list. It's a really good list. I know at least 25 people, young men, who meet the qualifications on this list. So I was like, Chels, what's the real list? And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, what's the real list? She's like, there's no real list. I'm like, yeah, there is. What's the real list that has the internal qualities and the external qualities that you're just hoping God merges them together into the perfect <laughs> specimen of a man for you to marry? And she's like, well, okay. okay. True story. Sleeve tattoo was on her list. She wanted a guy who had a sleeve tattoo, rode dirt bikes, could professionally snowboard, had really cool swaggered clothes. I swaggered. Yeah, that's a word. Swaggered. It, I had one pair of shoes when we met, by the way. Like one pair. I was not, I was not swagadelic. And get this. Get this. All of those qualifications. She wanted somebody who could build her a house. Not a home builder. She, I put that in our vows. I was like, I can't build you a house, but I can build you a spiritual house. Yeah, baby. But she was like, no, no, no. I don't want you to be a home builder for your job. I want you to do something else that allows you to have nine weeks of vacation a year and be able to spend all your time at home, but you make a ton of money, and in your spare time, you can build a house. And I was like, I, I, can, I, I can assemble Ikea furniture. Like, Maybe, maybe include the built-in Allen wrench. And I'm like, maybe. But she had two lists. You know, I had two lists also. Mine was, you know, mine's a little bit simpler. It was just like all my Christian qualifications and then hot. Just, <laughs> just 
hot. <laughs> Men are simple. <laughs> hey, like, love Jesus and just please be good looking. Like, <laughs> we've, got, we've got the list. We know who we're looking for. And, and maybe we got our cool outfits because we're hoping that somebody will notice, like, hey, we might be the one you're looking for. But what happens when you, like, meet somebody and you're like, you meet all the qualifications on my list? You've got all the internal characteristics. You've got all the external characteristics, praise God. But they don't even notice you because you're not on their list. Like, what if you don't meet the minimum qualifications on someone else's list? You're like, geez, PK, it was funny like four minutes ago. I only know that from personal experience. Like, I thought I was like the guy girls wanted to date and marry. And I wasn't. I would go on these dates and girls would be like instantly within a first day, I'd never get a second date. They could like see right through my facade. They're like, ah, man, I know you work in a church, but like, I don't see myself marrying you someday. I was like, well, that hurt. That hurt a little bit. You see, like you can work on the external stuff and you can have the list for the person you're hoping to meet someday. But what we really want to do with our dating years is become the person the person we're looking for is looking for. So that when you meet the perfect person, they're not looking past you towards someone else who's been working on themselves. Your dating years are about preparing your field, preparing your life so that when you get married, you're ready for it. It's working on your internal character. It's becoming somebody who is ready for marriage so that you're ready. Because if you don't prepare, you find out very early in your marriage years how you spent your single years. Everybody who's married say amen, right? Amen. You find out if you made a good investment in your time real quick. You know what you find out? You find out during your first few, all the fights, all of them, are about all of the stuff that you didn't take care of when you were single. Every single time. So you can take, you can have your dating years where you get to do whatever you want. You can do all the hobbies you want. Your time is your own. You can be entirely selfish if you want. And you can do whatever because you're accountable to no one. Hopefully you're a small group. But, like, you, you, you can do whatever you want. You want to keep that job at Olive Garden like I had? I'm a little ahead of myself. but Or you can start preparing yourself for marriage so that when you, when you meet that person, you're ready. Or put another way, your dating years are about becoming good soil, which is like our word for the year. We want good seed, good soil. We want to become good soil so when we get married, we're ready for it. Amen? This became real for me when I was 23 years old. And I'm, I'm going to get to the Bible in a second. I know I'm telling a lot of stories, but I'll get to the scripture in a second. Um, I was 23. I had just moved back into my parents' basement after returning to church for the first time in a really, really long time. So I'm well acquainted of what it's like to not be in church. So if you're here for the first time, man, I'm glad you're here. I know it can be very intimidating, but... Very glad that you're here. And I'm living in my parents' basement. I'm working at Olive Garden. That was the best job I could find. I'm going back to church, tossing out breadsticks like you wouldn't believe. You know what's funny, though, about breadsticks? It's the one thing at Olive Garden you can have as much of, and nobody's satisfied. There's a sermon in there somewhere. Like, they'll have their entire meal uneaten. They'll be like, I need more bread, please. More bread. But I'm like, I'm, I'm working at Olive Garden. And I'm just like frustrated with life. I've been at church for six whole months and I'm like, ah, 
My life's not where I thought it was be, would be, which is translated, I didn't think I would still be single. So at 23, I go up to my, my parents' garage because I know that's where dad's going to be. And when I'm discouraged, I go, I talk to pops. And I'm like, pops, uh, you got time for your oldest son? Uh-oh. Oh, we're good. Okay, you got time for your oldest son? And he's like, of course. Of course I got time for your oh. And so I start talking to my father about, like, what's going on. And it's about a 45-minute conversation. Five minutes of it is about Olive Garden Church and having about my life. And 40 minutes was about, like, the frustration of being single and feeling like, man, I'm, I think I'm ready to be married. And my, my pops, um, this is how he listens. <laughs> he doesn't look at you. Just pinky in his mouth, thinking, thinking, taking every word. And when I'd finished, he looks up at me, pinky out of his mouth. And because he, he loved me, and he had a heart forever who I was going to marry someday, he said, son, you can't be in a relationship right now because you have no direction, no plan, and you're only looking for comfort. And if you bring a woman into your life, it's completely selfish because you can't treat a woman right if you're looking for comfort. Yeah. So I cut him off. I don't need that kind of negativity in my life right now, Pop. Tell me I gotta get better. Sheesh. And he was, so he asked me the second most important question that I think I've ever been asked. He goes, Son, do you know what kind of man you wanna be? And I was like, Sure don't. And it was that kind of sure don't where you're like, I actually don't know. And also, I'm not even willing to have the conversation with you because you just hurt my feelings. You know, you're like, sure don't, Pop. Can't wait for what you're, what you're going to say next. And he says, I would figure out what kind of man you want to be, and then I would pursue that relentlessly for the rest of your life. And then God will align your path with whoever you're supposed to marry. I was like, some good news. <laughs> Done. And so I got to work. And I got to work. I picked up my Bible because I didn't really know. I'm 23 years old. I'm back new in church. I don't really know exactly what it's going to, what, what's the process. I don't know how I'm going to become this man I want to be. But I know it has something to do with Jesus. And I know it has something to do with this book. Like knowing this book, eating this book, living this book, memorizing this book. I didn't really know how. But I knew it involved something like this. And I was like, if I get in this word. If I volunteer at church, if I do all of the right things, and then God's going to align my path with whoever I'm supposed to marry. Oh, boy, that sounds amazing. And about after three months, naive little me found out, wrong motivation. You see, my motivation was wrong. I wasn't trying to become who I'm supposed to be because Jesus has asked me to become like him. I was hoping that the prize was whoever I was going to marry. And so I went a couple months in the word. I was ready for the word. And I was like hungry. And I'm listening to sermons on how to read. But I'm still not doing anything to change the internal part of my world. I'm just trying to like make a deal with God. Like, hey, look, I read, I read Ephesians today twice. Yeah. Bring that girl right over here. <laughs> but... My focus was wrong, and when your focus is wrong and you don't get the reward you're looking for, you change course, you change path. And so instead of working on who I was becoming internally, I started working on the external stuff again. I got myself some new clothes, 
I switched careers. I got out of the Olive Garden. It's actually how I ended up in ministry. Olive Garden to ministry, you know? <laughs> bread sticks to bread of life. Here we go. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here we go. 27. I think I'm ready. think I'm ready. And that's when I started going on all those dates where girls could, like, see right through my stuff. And gentlemen, can I just tell you, she can see, most women can see right through you. They know if what you're putting on on the outside is genuine. Just know that. You're not going to fool anybody. But so I'm like, it's time to redouble down. And it was, that was at the moment that I realized, like, this is not becoming who God has asked me to become has nothing to do as a primary motivation, I should say, with getting married. It has to become with like becoming like his son so I can be a light to the world, including my marriage, my children, my friendships, my community, and wherever I step my foot. And so I get back into the Bible. I'm like, I never gave up on the Bible, but I started reading it through a different lens. And I went to Proverbs, and I'm gonna have a picture of my Bible up here because I want you to see this. This was right before I met, about a year and a half before I met Chels. This is Proverbs 24. See up there, verse 27. This is where we got the message title. Prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself. Say for yourself. for yourself. In the field. And then after that, build your house. And then switch back. Can you go back to that picture real quick? You see, you, I have that arrow. You see, it says prepare for marriage, 2018. Take that arrow, prepare yourself down to Verses 30, and it says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall had been broken down. And then I saw and considered it. I looked, and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. And you know how when God speaks to you without words and you're just like, there's no way I came up with that? In that moment when I read that passage and when I made the mark, I felt God say, that is a picture of your future family if you continue to stay lazy about your life. Wow. I was like, I didn't. I don't want that. Nobody gets married hoping they're just going to make a mess of their life. Like, no one, you, you want adventure, you want love, you want a romance story, you want to be able to, like, build something with your spouse include, and have a family and kids. and Like, like you, want, you want something beautiful. And I'm like, I don't want, I don't want that. And so I just took it to heart, and I was like, okay, we've got to do something. I need to get to work on what's going on internally so that I'm ready for when I meet my spouse. And so I've got four points from you. They're the four points that I put in my Bible. I've got four points for you on how to prepare your field for marriage. And if you're not married, or if, excuse me, if you're not in your dating years, and you're like, well, this is where I can tune out. Hey, God's got something for you. He's got a good work for you to do. It may not be marriage. It may not, but it could be with other people in your small group, at your workplace. Maybe God wants to work right through you, and all he's waiting for is for you to prepare your field so that you can build whatever God is asking you to build. Amen? Say, so point number one, point number one, you need to get rid of the thorns. You got to get the rid of the thorns that are in your, in your house or in your life. And you're like, what are the thorns? Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, 
he's talking, he tells this parable of the sower and he talks about the, the seed sown among the thorns. And this is what Jesus says about the, the seed among the thorns. It says, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, they hear the word, but as they go on their way, they are ch- what was planted was choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. I want you to notice something about that, that, that passage. These are not immoral things. It says, riches and the pleasures of life is what comes and chokes out the word, whatever's been planted in you. They're morally neutral things. You know, I'm not exactly in the know when it comes to pop culture at Connect. I get made fun of it all the time. You ask me about politics and foreign affairs. I really like that stuff. (laughs) Why? I don't know. I do. Um, But I don't know stuff about pop culture. And I always tell them, like, hey, how's keeping up with the Kardashians? Get me ready for whatever God has for me. And they're like, how's listening to politics podcasts all day getting you ready for whatever God has for you? And I was like, touche. <laughs> touche. Now, that might be a moral evil, but we'll find out. There are things that you give your time to, your energies to, your finances to. They're not necessarily bad, but they're not letting your fruit mature. There's some fruit but it's not mature. And a little investment of your time from fantasy football into growing with God, from an extra hour at the gym into growing with God, from Netflix to growing with God, to reality TV, to Instagram, whatever you're giving your time to, you take a little bit of that time and you give it more to God to figure out who am I going to become? How am I gonna become like Jesus? That's what it means to cut the thorns out of your life. You wanna get out, if you wanna be ready for marriage, when you get married, those other distractions your wife or your husband is going to want your time instead of over those things. There ain't no two or three hour gym sesh when you get married. Your, your husband does not want to compete with reality TV, like I promise. Get, out, get rid of the thorns. Point number two, you want to cut down the nettles. Cut down the nettles. Uproot the nettles. What are nettles? I've got a picture of the nettles. The nettles are they're a weed. Um, they look kind of pretty, but they just kind of pop up, and they're a very interesting weed. You'll see, like, here's the green leaves. They look really pretty. You'll find these in the wild all over. Um, But what they do is they have a shallow root system. They just stay right below the surface of the soil, and they're not very strong, so they can't burrow into the soil. So what they do is they end up creating a net just across the soil that keeps everything else from growing. Nothing else can grow because the, the roots of the nettle plant has covered the ground. And when you get close to the nettle plant... It burns you. Like, if you touch it, it's going to burn you, and it's going to burn you for hours. This is like a harmless plant with shallow roots. You're like, I should just be able to kick it, but it burns you if you get close. Like, what does this have to do with relationships? There is some stuff in your life that's just beneath the surface, and when it's touched, prodded, poked, you end up burning people with your tongue. If you are easily offended if you are selfish with your time, if you can do no wrong and everybody else can, that's a nettle. Get that out of your life before you get married. Your spouse will be the first person to offend you daily. And if you are easily offended, you will bite and bite in your tongue. You're gonna say stuff that you don't get back. And eventually it's gonna leave a burn so bad that she's gonna be like, I'm I'm done. I don't want that anymore. 
get those nettles out of your life. You don't need them. They're not deep, they're not deep level issues. Those are surface issues. Those are things that you can do just by like some habit changes, by making a choice. Like I am not going to use my tongue to destroy. I'm going to not use my time for myself, my preferences. I'm going to now let my time be for someone else. I'm going to serve. If you can't get over your preferences, like, come on, you can't get married. Like, you can't. You need to die to yourself for whoever you get married. To, amen? Number three, you got to rebuild the wall. You got to re rebuild the wall. I want you to write down this question. What is in your life that shouldn't be because the wall is broken down? The wall is friendships. You need a wall of friendships right around you to make sure that things are not getting into your life that shouldn't be there. Walls, they let people on the outside, they let things on the outside know that whatever is inside is precious. And if the wall is broken down, what's inside must not be very precious. And it is time to rebuild the wall around your life because your life is very, very precious. Your heart is precious. Your mind is precious. And it belongs not only to you, but also to your future spouse and to God. And you need to start treating your mind and your heart like it is unbelievably valuable. You need to treat it like a treasure. Don't just let junk in. Get some people around your life. Get around you, like in your small group that can help you, who have permission to say what you need to hear, who can have access to your phone or access to your bank account so that they can protect you. And I want you to think, like, who are the people that I want to have at my wedding? In my wedding, at my wedding. The few people, two to six. And later today, I want you to text them, and I want you to say, will you start protecting my marriage now? Now. Don't wait until you're married. Deep friendships when you're married become much harder to make. Much, much harder. Build them now. Now, get into a small group. I've heard, I talked to the small groups guy earlier. He said small groups are amazing. I'm the small groups guy. That was supposed to be funny. <laughs> Must not be that amazing. <laughs> get, a, get a wall of friends. And you guys can stand to your feet. And this is my last point. I have a Bible verse, and it's the rest of the passage in Proverbs. And this is my final point. Because this is true if you are dating, if you are married, if you're like, I don't want anything to do with relationships anymore, I'm done. This one is still true for you. Jesus echoed these in the Gospels, and it's about falling asleep on your life. Do we have that passage? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber in want like an armed man. Poverty will come upon you. A little sleep, a little slumber. Point number four is don't fall asleep on your life. You get one life. And it's very easy to start falling asleep on it and to drift into the day-to-day, hour-to-hour. This is just, I've got my job, I've got my family, and you know what, I'm just gonna go through the motions. I'm gonna wake up, drink my coffee, eat breakfast, go to bed. I'm gonna come home. You know those shows where dad's always quiet at the dinner table? Your mom can't get him to talk about anything. That's a man who's fallen asleep on his life. Don't fall asleep on your life. Who you become takes diligent effort. It takes a vigor. It takes tenacity. It's like you cannot give up on who you're becoming. You make a little progress and you're like, all right, what's next? You make a little progress, all right, what's next? How can I get better? How can I become more like Jesus? Because the goal of the gospel is to make men and women who are conformed to the image of his son, that's in Ephesians 4, so that they can be lights in the world. 
It's not just about your marriage. It's about who you become for every single person you meet. Every single person. There's this great story in the Gospel of John. Uh, John chapter 4. It's the woman at the well. You've probably heard this story. It's a very famous story in the Gospel. And this woman meets Jesus at a time where she shouldn't be at the well. It's, you don't go to the well in the middle of the day. It's too hot. You get your water in the morning and the evening. And she is not going to the well in the morning or the evening because she doesn't want to hear what the other women at the well have to say about her. And Jesus gets to talking to her and he says, I know you've got five husbands and the man that you live with now is not your husband. And not once, not once does he condemn her. You don't end up with that kind of relational baggage because you're like trying to make the most of life. You're desperate. You're desperate. You're thirsty. You're thirsty for something that's better. And she actually says like this great little metaphor. She's like, how are you going to get this living water? The well is deep. And some of our single people, our married people, our divorced people, our people who have given up on relationships altogether, you're like, the well's deep. And I think I just want someone else who can satisfy the well or at least give me some water just, just so I can just get through because I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I've, I'm settling. I can't do this anymore. And this woman represents all the relational baggage you and I could ever have. She's got it in her life. And Jesus says he's the seventh man. In the Bible, seven is perfection. Five husbands, one man, seventh man. She didn't need somebody else. She didn't need another person in her life to satisfy what she was looking for. She needed Jesus. And before you need a principal, you need a person, and his name is Jesus. Before you do anything that we talked about up here, you need a person. Whether you have fallen asleep on your walk with God or you've never had even a chance to meet his son Jesus at all, I want to give you a chance because what you're looking for is Jesus. You want to improve your life? You need Jesus. Jesus is the only person in human history who can help you become who he wants you to be while simultaneously being everything that you ever needed. Only person. Because he's God in the flesh and he made you. He was in the beginning. And at the beginning of, gospel, of the Gospel of John, he asked his first disciples, what are you seeking? Kind of like what I said about dating. We're all wondering, like, is that the right person? Is that the right person? We're all seeking and he asked his disciples, what are you seeking? And they don't know. They have no idea. They can't answer. They say, I, can we follow you? Where are you staying? And he's like, come and see. The invitation, whether you are single, married, divorced, far from Jesus, is to come back to Jesus. And he is eager to meet with you. He's so eager to meet with you. And if I could get you to have one thing, I said this is a message about dating, but it's also not a message about dating. This is a message about Jesus. Because all of our relationships, all our relational baggage, everything that we're looking for, we are hoping that we can find what we're looking for in another person. And really what you need is Jesus. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, ask two questions. My first question is for the people like, you're a believer. You believe that Jesus is who he said he was. 
But as I'm talking about a man's field and you're kind of, you walk in here and you're like, my life's, my life's a mess. Hey, all right, you're here. Your life's a mess, but you're here. And Jesus would love to help you clean up that mess. And he will not forsake you or abandon you or leave you. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. Whether you're single, dating, married, engaged, wherever you are. If that's you, if you're like, hey, I'm kind of far from Jesus right now and I need some help, will you raise your hand? I would love to pray for you. Amen. 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 Jesus, we love you. You know everybody who has raised their hand and you know what they need in their heart of hearts. You know the unspoken prayers that they just can't even express in words. And I'm asking that you meet them where they are and you begin to restore their hope and their blessing and their life. The second question is for all of those who don't know Jesus. You've never had a chance to meet Jesus. You've never even heard about Jesus. You've never heard about this man who knows you and wants to call you by name and bless your life and save your life. You've never had a chance to meet this person. Let me tell you, this is the best decision you could ever make with your life, is following Jesus. My life started getting better when I followed Jesus. I found hope again. I found joy again. I found everything I was looking for when I found Jesus. And the world needs Jesus. You need Jesus. So if you've never had the opportunity, I want to give you an opportunity right now. On the count of three, one, Jesus loves you so much. He made you. He formed you. He knows you. He sees you. And he's beckoning you home. Two, there is no condemnation for those who call upon Jesus Christ as Lord. He will meet you right where you are. And three, if that's you, will you raise your hand? If you want to give your life to Jesus today, will you raise your hand? I see you. Praise God. I see you. Praise God. Praise God in the back. Praise God. Anybody else you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time? Amen. Church, can we give up for people who gave their life to Jesus this morning? That is the best choice that you will ever make. And now we get to sing a song about lifting Jesus' name because he is King of Kings and he is Lord of Lords and he is going to restore everything that was lost. Amen. Let's worship.